Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Evan. Once again, uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of the Falcons, a little unexpected trade here at the deadline, and then the absolutely insane game they played on Sunday against the Panthers, and then we'll uh, wrap things up with a little bit of Hawks talk. So uh, yeah, man, how you doing? How you feeling about the state of the Falcons right now? What's going on, guys? Yeah, uh, Falcons, they're surprisingly frisky. They're so fun to watch. Um, I, I haven't been as excited to like sit down and watch a game every Sunday. It's it's awesome, honestly. I'm having it's a fun year. Yeah, definitely. Um, unexpected as the Falcons were kind of projected to be one of the worst teams in football this year, but as of right now, they are all by themselves at the top of the NFC South about halfway through the season. I don't know who had that um, with Tampa Bay in this division. And um, some people thought the Saints had a chance of being pretty good this year, but the whole division is pretty much a disaster. It's more of a credit to be the division being terrible than the Falcons, if we're being honest, of why they're in this position. But still, they're four and four. Um, not a lot of people would project that at the beginning of the season, including myself. I thought it was, uh, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud time. It doesn't look like that's going like to be the case anymore, which is a good thing because they're actually good. And for the first time, really, since they made the playoffs last when they uh, lost to the Eagles, it's exciting to watch the Falcons again, which is uh, definitely a change in my life with my football teams. I haven't been excited about watching football in years of my own teams, at least. So it's a nice change of pace for sure. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about the game first on Sunday. Uh, this was kind of a as weird as it is to say, this was for the division lead between the Panthers and the Falcons. As uh, If the Panthers were to have won this game, it would have been a four-way tie for first in the South. Every team would have been three and five. And it looked like it was going to be that for a while, um, as this was probably might be the most insane game of just the NFL season so far, for being honest, of just the stuff that was happening I mean, it was just bizarre. It was very Falcons, but um, at the end, they came out with a 37 to 34 win um, somehow and over time. So uh, before we get into the details of the game, what was your uh, emotions like, especially during the fourth quarter and overtime? Because this was just, um, yeah, it was something else, really. Yeah, I was going back and forth with a couple people, uh, like texting about the game and, and the fantasy group chat, and it was just up, like, let's go, and then what are they doing, and then let's go. It just up and down, up and down the whole entire fourth quarter, man. It was We did everything we could have possibly done to throw the game, but at the same time, we did everything to win the game. Like, just nuts. Yeah, they – um. We can, we can just start off talking about the game like the first half a little bit, which we'll kind of just briefly touch on um, because really the 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 main discussion points the end of this game. But, you know, the game started off pretty rough. Uh, the second play from scrimmage for the Falcons was a Mariota pick, and that really got people uh, hot and bothered, the Desmond Raider fans, which I understand because I'm uh, not a good start for Mariota. But I do think um he really settled in pretty well after this. He played – as solid as he could have for um, the offense that he set up in. He did have a really bad interception in overtime too, which we'll talk about, but um, a rough start for Mariota as the Falcons get the ball first and he throws a, a pretty rough interception. But um, yeah, the Falcons go down early, um, three, nothing on a field goal. They come back, Kyle Pitts scores a touchdown, which I know a lot of people enjoyed, including myself. Yes, sir. Uh, 
And then uh, the Panthers bounce back with another touchdown, and uh, that gives them the lead. It was uh, Dante Foreman, by the way. They traded Christian McCaffrey, and he has just become – I wouldn't even say Christian McCaffrey has become Derrick Henry is what it seems like. He's just – he had a crazy good game in this one. Um, but, yeah, the Panthers score right there, a touchdown from him. I believe he had three touchdowns in this game. And, um, yeah, the Panthers threw an interception of their own towards the end of the half, but the uh, Falcons couldn't really capitalize on it. So, at the half, Falcons were down 10-7. to And then um, third quarter, not a ton happened. Um, Mariota had a pretty big touchdown to Tyler Algier for 25 yards, a little dump-off player. That was nice. And then uh, back again, that man again, the bad man, Dante Foreman, another touchdown to put the Panthers um, back on top. And heading into the fourth quarter, it was really back and forth, and it kind of stayed that way. Uh, but, yeah, heading into the fourth quarter, the Falcons get a field goal from Young Ku, wins up being the hero, and then another Dante Foreman touchdown. And then this is where things started to get really wild. Um, so now the Falcons are down pretty late in the game at this point, and then a uh, pretty – insane play to Demir Bird, who was a former Panther. Um, what were your thoughts on that play? It was a, what was the exact number? A 47-yard touchdown, and he made that play happen pretty much all by himself. I mean, he was pretty wide open, and Mariota got the ball to him, but once he got the ball in his hands, he completely changed his course of action and just went straight down the massive gap in the field and scored a huge touchdown. So what do you think of that play? Because that was pretty wild. Yeah, I, I had never seen him get an open field like that before, and my God, he is he's got some wheels on him. Even the broadcasters were like, Who is this guy? Like, um, a huge play. I mean, I was going crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, at that point things were looking bleak after they had let Dante Foreman score another touchdown. Um, but them being able to bounce back with that big of a play. And what down was it on too? Was it on the third down, I think? No, it was, it was actually on first down, actually, my bad. But still, um, just a huge play when they really needed it. And uh, that put them up, at the time, I believe it put them up 34 to 27. Oh, no, 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 that's that's wrong. It was 31 to 20, 27 at that point to put them back on top. And then um, Panthers turned the ball over on downs, and that looked like it was going to be the ball game right there. And uh, Falcons get the ball back. They were not able to get the first down, though, to end the game, which uh, – Resulted in them kicking a field goal, which right there, you're up 34 to 27 and 28. Let me, let me add that. Yeah. 34, 28. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's important yeah, detail because game. yeah, because <laughs> what happened later, you're right. Thank you. Yvonne. Thank you on that. Um, So 34, 28, you're in a really decent spot to win. Um, I believe there was only what 38 seconds left on the clock at that point. Yep. And um, yeah, the one thing you can't let happen pretty much happened. Uh, so they kicked the ball off. P.J. Walker throws a pass incomplete. Then he throws a 13-yard pass um, to get it to the Carolina 38-yard line. And then a uh, with 23 seconds left, they kind of it wasn't a complete Hail Mary because it wasn't the last play of the game. It was more of just like a kind of like a four verts route, honestly. And uh DJ Moore and PJ Walker combined to make just an insane play. Um pretty much a Hail Mary touchdown for 62 yards to tie the game. Um, I got this one stat on the play. Um, it says PJ Walker's touchdown pass. DJ Moore had an air distance of 67.6 yards. That is the longest air distance completion since 2016. Once they started tracking this kind of stats. So that's pretty wild in itself that 
it was PJ Walker that <laughs> made that kind of throw, which was an absolute perfect throw by him. So you got to give some credit and a really nice play by DJ Moore. But um, also just a huge meltdown in the Falcons secondary. Um, they're playing prevent, and I don't even remember the name of the uh, defensive back that just started to just give up on the play. And once Moore kind of had him cooked, he didn't even like really attempt to catch him. He just kind of jogged after him. So uh, yeah, what was going through your mind after that? Because that was like a heartbreaker, classic Falcons. Everybody was getting their jokes off, and it was just like another way they found to lose a game. Yeah, I mean, our secondary is absolutely beat up right now. I mean, we've got yeah. third stringers out there, and that in that scenario, the the your only job is to not let the receiver get behind you. And DJ Moore just ran a streak, just straight straight down the sideline, and, and he flew by. I think we had a safety on the top, and then it looked like we had a linebacker. Uh, yeah, all the linebackers were back deep, so it was just – it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a perfect throw to from from P.J. P.J. Walker, you know, XFL legend. Yeah. Um, I mean, just – it was a miracle. Like, I mean, it, what a throw, what a catch. Like, But, like, defensively, you just cannot let them get behind you. You just got to prevent, like uh, – like 12 seconds, I, I thought the game was over, um, you know, but we'll we'll get into what happened next. Yeah, and um, I want to kind of expose myself here a little bit. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but after the Falcons got this stop and kicked a field goal, I tweeted um, your first place Atlanta Falcons. And when that's touchdown scored, I deleted it because I didn't want to go on um, <laughs> politics exposed. I should have kept it up, though, because it would have been awesome to keep it up that whole time after what happened. But I was like, no, I'm not letting this happen. I was just – I was – It wasn't like the Falcons portion of my brain, like all the nerve endings are burnt off and there's no feeling there. It was just more of like a shoulder shrug and just kind of like a laugh of when that happened. It was just like, man, they really find new ways. It's insane. But um, as lifeless as the Falcons seemed at that moment, the man who caught the ball actually breathed life back into the game as he gets a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for taking his helmet off after the catch, which, um, you know, there's been a lot of debate on um, just kind of how silly that rule is and that call it's, it's on, it's like an actual rule. So, I mean, you know, it's really not all on him because the, uh, the Falcons smartly tacked that yard of John to the extra point. So um, the Panthers had to kick a longer extra point. I believe it's about a 38 yarder at that point or something, 39 or something. And, um, the real hero of this game, Eddie Pinero, <laughs> uh, misses the extra point, and the game is still tied with about 12 seconds left or whatever, how, how many, how much time was left. Uh, so, yeah, I know we were talking in the group chat, just kind of like, you know, uh, mourning the loss, but um, what happened? Like, I just started like dying laughing when you missed the extra point. So, what, what were you doing when that happened? I, I was, I was doing the same thing, man. Eddie <laughs> Pinero. I'm not sure if he still has a job. Um, Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look that up. (laughs) Poor guy. I mean, you just got to feel bad for him. But, you you know, going back to the penalty, I don't know if that was actually – I don't know if that should have been a penalty as an an Atlanta Falcons fan. I mean, like, in the moment, I mean, basically you just walked off Hail Mary. I mean, yeah, sure, if you want to get technical, that's flag. But I just don't know if they should have thrown it, you know, but – yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the only time I can ever remember that happening in another situation was um the Stefan Diggs 
miracle touchdown against the Saints in the playoffs. I know they flagged him because he chunked his helmet across the end zone. But like in that situation, the game was over because they had went up. They had only tied the game at this point. So, yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to make an example out of that and be like, hey, if the game is tied, do not do that. But, yeah, it kind of was a perfect storm. Um, I'm look- I looked up Eddie Pinero on Twitter, and I haven't seen anything about him being cut. So I think he still is the kicker for the Panthers. So good for him. Um, he's still got another game against the Panthers. Maybe he can come in clutch one more time for us. Yeah, but he came in clutch time. again in this game. We'll get into that in a second. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so the Falcons get the ball. They actually had a pretty – um, they actually had a chance to end the game in regulation. There was a uh, – another pass to Demir bird, which looked like it could have been, it was kind of like a hail Mary in itself. It was about to like the Carolina 20 yard line or so. And it looked like um, bird got interfered with on the play. Um, It was, it was pretty close, but on the replay it looked like that was probably pass interference and there was uh, no call on it. And that would have set up the Falcons in um, perfect field goal range around the 20 ish yard line for a game winner in regulation. So um, what did you think of that play? Because watching it live, I was like, oh, I don't know. But then when they showed the slow-mo replay, it looked like he probably got interfered with. So how are you feeling on that one? Because it was it was one that's like wasn't like super shocking that it didn't get called, honestly. Yeah, I, I didn't really see much there. I think they were both kind of just, you know, uh, tussling for the ball a little bit. I, I thought it was clean play. Um, but when as soon as he caught it and returned it, I was like, all right, Desmond Render time. Like that, you just cannot do that if you're Mariota. Like throwing up a 50 50 ball, you already had an interception in the first quarter thrown to Demir Bird. The, literally the exact same play, um, it looked like. But, um, yeah, I, I thought we, I thought it was over with because he returned it. What was it? He almost returned it back to their 20 yard line. Um, I just because next score wins, I, I thought it was over. Yeah, and that, that was an overtime. I was talking about the, the Hail Mary attempt at the end of the fourth quarter, though, with that pass. It looked like it might have been pass interference. But um, oh. we can get in, we can get into that play too. The pick from area, which was that that was worse than the first pick that he threw, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, th- the return on that really like seemed like it was ball game because he it was uh, C.J. Henderson, I believe, and he just had nobody in front of him on that one, and he got it all the way down to like really good field goal range for the Panthers, and then the Panthers ran a couple plays, try to get a little bit closer, and then um. That, that man again, Eddie Pinero, he missed the 32-yarder. And, um, yeah, that that was just another insane moment because that was even shorter than the extra point, which is kind of funny uh, because of the penalty on the extra point. And, um, yeah, I, I don't even – like, at that point in the game, I was just, like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, when the Falcons first won the coin toss, I was like, okay – I think we're gonna be able to, we have a good chance of going down to score here. It seems like their defense is pretty gas because and the offense have played pretty well all day. Um, but yeah, that was there's another insane chain of events there. Um, so what were you expecting to happen next after that uh, miss or miss field goal? Did like did you was there hope or were you just like are they gonna find a way another way to end this game in brutal fashion? Dude, I, I don't know, man. It like. Somebody pressed the Buffalo Wild Wings button at that point. It was just chaos. I mean, I was really hoping we could get back down, you know, next score. Field goal wins it. So, I mean, I trust Koo from from 60. Um, so, you just get him in range. I still had plenty of hope, man. I just didn't want this to end in the tie. That would that would have been very deflating. Yeah, I I thought about a tie, and I, I, I think I said that it deserved to be a tie with the way both teams were playing and just the mistakes they were making. 
Um, and it got pretty close. I think the Falcons got the ball back with four minutes left in overtime. So there was, it was very real tie territory at the end there, but the Falcons put together a pretty good drive. Um, you know, they got a good run from Caleb Huntley. Mariota got a ball to Zacchaeus, get downfield. Um, a nice pass to Demir Bird again for eight yards. And then a huge 30 yard run from Mariota that really put them in uh not field goal range yet, but put them, um, we're pretty much a field goal range. Yeah. That's when they um kind of just, try to line up coup as best they could. They uh, got him in for a 41 yarder and he nailed it. And that was the ball game right there. So yeah, at that moment, put the Falcons at four and four first in the division. And uh, we could talk about the division and what you think about the Falcons playoff hopes. And uh, right now I got a couple of uh, projection things pulled up as of right now, 538, which is I think the most accurate projection system for sports in my opinion they give the Falcons currently a 45% chance to make the playoffs. That is the exact same as the Buccaneers. And they give Tampa a 40% chance to win the division and the Falcons 38. So pretty similar um, odds there. And then according to the, according to Vegas, the Falcons are still slight underdogs to win the division at plus 210. They got the Buccaneers at minus 135. So um, that's what, that's what Vegas and, uh, kind of the odds makers say, what do you think about the Falcons playoff chances or it's really got to be the division. I can't imagine they're going to be a wild card team, but uh, what do you think their odds are when the division in your head? Well, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say 45%. I mean, um, I mean, we have a very easy schedule uh, upcoming. We have Panthers again, um, bears, commanders, you know, bucks, Steelers, Steelers, Cardinals, and then you got the saints. Um, yeah, and we got the Chargers next week. That's like one of the hard games left. But even the Chargers are like they're not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. They're only four and three. They're they're borderline uh, frauds, I think. I, yeah, I mean, all every of these game is winnable. winnable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other other than the Ravens, I, I feel I feel pretty decent about our odds. So there's there's a route, no doubt, to to win the division. Um, you know, maybe sneak out ten and seven. You know, I think yeah. Tennessee gets it done in this in this NFC South. I mean, it's looking rough right now. I think I think that's for sure the case because it's kind of funny. Um, their five thirty is projected records. They have the Falcons and Bucks both finishing at eight and nine. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I don't know um if that's how it's gonna work out. The Bucks look terrible. It looks like um, it might be it for Tom Brady because they just they look bad all around. Uh, they got kind of throttled by the. Ravens um, on Thursday night football and they've looked bad the past few weeks and they still give the Saints like a slight chance a 17% chance to win the division which I guess is isn't impossible I mean there's definitely a world where the Bucks and Falcons just fall apart and the Saints play well enough um, I wouldn't project that but definitely possibility but yeah the division's a mess it's going to be like um I, I forgot what year it was I think it was 2014 when the Panthers won the division they went seven eight and one I feel like we're in for one of those kind of finishes um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, it's like probably like 40, 45% chance for them to win the division. I think it, I don't think the saints have what it takes. I think it is between the Falcons and bucks. Cause I do kind of still trust the Buccaneers overall talent um, to keep them in it as, as bad as they've looked. I think they're just too talented to completely melt down, which I mean, they're three and five and they've looked terrible. So I think they definitely could. And uh, the Falcons still have a game against the bucks and the saints to kind of, uh, you know, I know they lost their first ones, but that can kind of even up the tiebreaker there 
which could be a hugely important game, especially against the Buccaneers, because if you get swept by them, they have the tiebreaker. That could be uh that could end your season. You gotta get that game for sure. Uh but yeah, it's uh it's wild. Eight games in the year and the Falcons are in first place. So that sounds that sounds so good to hear, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um it's shocking. And um you just gotta give some credit though to Arthur Smith and the coaching staff. This is not the most talented roster in the world at all. I mean, they got Mary, Marcus Marietta at their quarter quarterback position. Um, for a lot of teams, that's a death sentence, and you're not going to go anywhere with that. But they have found a way with this uh, ground and pound style to make it work on offense. And, you know, the defense looked pretty bad against Carolina, but even they've had some moments this year where they've played pretty well. But, uh, yeah, um, any other thoughts on the game and the uh, just the overall division before we get into the Calvin Ridley situation? No, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed what Arthur Smith's doing with the team, with the roster. I mean, this was supposed to be a tank year. People projected us to – to win maybe two games, four games at the, at the most. And to ha- to already have that through eight weeks is, is fantastic. I mean, even with our defense being so banged up, our secondary in general, Cordell or Patterson, I mean, we're just getting it done still. Nobody skipped a beat, really. It's awesome. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I forgot to mention with the run game, it's been so good. And Cordell Patterson's on IR right now, and he's like the most explosive player on the offense, really. <laughs> especially yeah. a running back. So, yeah, it's it's really impressive what they've done. And Arthur Smith has got me full trust in him. Um, even the front office, some of the moves that they made on the margins took this team better. Um, I've, I've really appreciated it. I think they've done a really good job. So, speaking of the front office and moves, um, there's a kind of a bombshell out of nowhere today during the NFL trade deadline, which has just been insane, by the way, league-wide. A bunch of big-name players getting moved. Uh, probably the busiest NFL trade deadline in years. But, uh yeah, it didn't look like the Falcons were going to be very busy as they're not like a team that looks to add and win now, you know, trying to make the Death Star move to win a Super Bowl. They're not in that situation, even though they are leading the division. But they make a move that doesn't affect this year, but does affect them down the line. They trade Calvin Ridley, which was a bit surprising. Um, they trade him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, we'll get into the all the specifics of the uh, compensation they're getting back in a second. But just on its face, trading Calvin Ridley, what do you think of that? Just um, on its own, regard not not bringing into account the draft picks coming back. Yeah, I was a little hurt um, after seeing Cordell Patterson's shirt on the sideline Sunday. You know, free CP or CR. Um, you know, you kind of think, what if if Calvin Ridley was was in the in the wide receiver core this year, you know, you're looking at a solid offense. You London, Pitts, Ridley, and CP uh, running the ball. I mean, you got you have great weapons, great pieces. You're kind of just a QB away, I think. Um, you know, you were already looking ahead for next year, you know, like what if you got Calvin back? But trading him, I mean, while he still has a little bit of value, I'm, I'm not too opposed because, you know, kind of what we did with Thomas Dimitrov was – we we would be the guys trading our our draft picks um but you know getting some back is huge you can go into the specifics now of what we're going to get back it's kind of a conditional deal it's kind of weird yeah it is it is a very weird deal that's got all kind of weird details in it but um yeah so one thing falcons get for sure no matter what is a 2023 fifth round pick that is guaranteed and then um it is a con- listed as a conditional fourth round pick that can rise up to higher picks under these conditions. So if Calvin Ridley makes the Jaguars roster, 
which I'm assuming he will. I think that's a given unless something crazy happens. Um, they will get a fourth round pick. So worst case scenario is the Falcons get a fifth and a fourth round pick. And the fourth round pick is in 2024, fifth round pick in 2023. If uh, Calvin Ridley reaches a certain playing time incentive, I don't know what the exact number is on that at all. I don't know if it's a snap count thing or a games played or what. I have no idea what that incentive is, but if he reaches that, uh, it becomes a third round pick. And then if the Jaguars decide that they want to extend Ridley and sign him to a contract extension, it becomes a second round pick. So if you're a Falcons fan, you're rooting hard for Calvin Ridley to be awesome on the Jaguars. Um, Even if you're not too fond of the guy, of uh, the stuff he's done, which that's not the case with me. I don't know about you, but I know some people aren't in love with Calvin Ridley. Um, you want him to do well in Jacksonville and ball out because if he plays well and gets extended, it's a second round pick, which is uh, far more valuable than this fourth or third, which is pretty obvious. But um, yeah, what do you think about those um, kind of escalators on these on this draft pick? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting super hard for Calvin Ridley. <laughs> I yeah. want him to sign a, a big extension with Jacksonville, you know, out of the division. You know, I still like the guy. I mean, I think he's messed up a little bit. He's I, kind I of a diva. It's kind of a diva, but um, I'm I'm still a fan of him. I think he's got. I mean, I think he's going to do well with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they've got a ton of receivers down there, so hopefully they can keep him, sign him, and you know, bump that up to a second round. I I support it. Yeah, me too for sure. And I think there is a good chance that he could succeed in Jacksonville. Um, Trevor Lawrence has played a lot better this season than he did in his rookie year. And um, the Jaguars, I mean, the Jaguars last year were just a disaster, obviously, with Urban Meyer. They finally got some stability there. And um, their their offensive scheme has improved quite a bit with Doug Peterson. I think they, they've gotten way more creative. And, you know, adding a weapon, I mean, Calvin Ridley, we know how good he can be. I mean, it is worth saying that um, the last time he played, it was last, uh, like, over a year. It was last October, last time he played. So it'll be close to two years since Ridley has a will play um, when he if I got to get into this detail, but if he is um, eligible to play because there's still I don't know how, like how this is or what makes this a thing, but there's still a chance that he is still could be suspended for some time next year because of the whole um, gambling thing. I know in Ian Rappaport's tweet uh, when he broke the trade, he said if Calvin Ridley is uh, playing next year. So I, I remember at the time when he got suspended, it was still like a, he was suspended for at least 2022. So I don't know how that works, how he could get suspended even longer. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case, but I guess it's still a possibility that he misses time next year. Due to this. Oh my God, my dog just went nuts. It scared me. Anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully he'll stop barking. But uh, yeah, I can hand it off to you now so I can meet my mic and the dog will stop barking. What do you think of him might be suspended next year? Yeah, I think um, I think that's kind of absurd. I think throwing a little parlay here and there, I, I I didn't think it was too big of a deal, but, you know, Goodell obviously did. Um, you know, I'm glad I'm not playing in the NFL. That's all I've got to say. Uh, but, like, I, I, I at first I thought it was just a one-year suspension, but I guess it's labeled as indefinitely, and, you know, he's got to get reinstated, um, which I think he will. I, he's served his time. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous. It was a – I don't even think it was $2,000 worth of bets and, and he was betting on his team to win. So I don't really understand, um, you know, the inside information he could have used. I mean, you're betting on your team to win and, and it's actually hilarious. Uh, 
uh, the bets that that got him suspended, he was actually betting on the Falcons to beat the Jaguars a couple years ago. And I think it's just ironic that he's getting traded to the Jags. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this obviously has huge huge implications for our um, our cap space next year. Uh, if you want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, we can do that now. And uh, that I was going to mention that too. That it is funny, kind of ironic that he is getting traded to the Jaguars after he was prior to their downfall last year on a uh, fan duel or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and just kind of piggyback what you said, it is just kind of ridiculous. I understand why the NFL has to do it because um, you just can't have players betting on games. But if he does miss any more time next year, I think that would be ridiculous. Um, he has more than served his time. And I think, yeah, like a lot of people think he's kind of like a bad guy for getting suspended, but that's just not the case. Like he, He's not Deshaun Watson who got suspended for a lot less for what he did, which is a whole yeah. different conversation. We won't get into that now. But um, yeah, like you said, the Falcons, they will uh, save $11.2 million on the cap as soon as the 2023 offseason starts. And um, yeah, uh, I mentioned earlier how Fonda and the front office have done a pretty good job. Um, I don't know the exact number of cap space the Falcons are going to have, but they have cleared out a lot. Um, I know the Matt Ryan trade cleared out a ton. They had some dead cap in there, but in the long run, it's going to be worth it. And um, yeah, they're set up well to uh, make some big splashes in free agency here in the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, next offseason, Lamar Jackson, free agent. Just Yeah, yeah. Listen to this. So the Falcons cap space in 2023 jumped from 65 million to 76 million. And then, um, you know, if you cut Mariota, that could be at, at 90 million or more before free agency starts. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with QB situation. If Ritter ends up getting some playing time to see what he's got in the tank, you know, if they keep Mariota, we'll, we'll see what that is, but I love the hypotheticals. You know, you're already saying names, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I, I think we're, I think we're due for a big off season after over uh, overachieving so far for sure. Yeah. And I mean, the team is obviously ahead of schedule and, um, you know, all that cap space, not just quarterback, you can upgrade at so many positions that you need help and get offensive line help and get pass rush help, secondary help, all that good stuff. And um, yeah, and it's it, the quarterback situation is way more interesting because it seemed like they were going to be, the Falcons were going to be a uh, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud candidate, and that's they're not going to be that anymore. And um, yeah, you kind of, I mean, I don't like, I know things are going well enough with Mariota, but like you kind of have to see what you have in Ritter at some point. Because Mariota's not the long term guy, everybody knows that, and um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know how good Desmond Ritter is. No one can really know except for the Falcons, I guess, who see him practice every day. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that and handle the quarterback situation. I think that's the most fascinating part of this team's future is what they're going to do there because there's a lot of moving parts for sure. Um, but yeah, you got any other thoughts on the on that or anything about this deal before we uh, move on to some Hawks talk? I do not. I do not. I think it was a very pr- productive day. You know, we didn't we, – I don't think we reached for anything. I think we got a, a good return for Ridley, and it's going to pay off for sure. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, So we can move on uh, to the Hawks, who we I don't think we – we haven't talked about them actually playing games yet because we didn't record last week. Um, But uh, right now they're off to a 4-3 and three start, which uh, is pretty solid. You know, they've had a fairly easy schedule their first – um. Five games actually were extremely easy. They played the Rockets, the Magic, the Hornets, and the Pistons twice, which um, none of those teams are particularly great. 
but their last few games have not gone um, well. They lost to Milwaukee on the road um, by eight points, which that game was actually pretty cl- like closer than eight points, honestly. Which um, that's that's not a bad loss at all. That was on a back to back for the Hawks. They were on the road. The Bucks. Um, I don't know if they're still undefeated, but um, they were undefeated at the time. They're they're a very good team. And then um, last night they got throttled by the Raptors. <laughs> they lost one thirty nine to one oh nine. Um, and giving up 139 points in a game that doesn't go to overtime is awful. Um, but the Raptors are good. That's worth saying. It sounded like they did that to the um, they gave that up to the Magic or something. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty rough game last night. Uh, so, what are your thoughts overall, just on the first seven games? We're four and three. Um, any any takes on uh, the players or anything in particular you got? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like we're taking care of the we're taking care of our business. We're beating the bad teams um, that we've lost so far to the good teams. So it's just kind of concerning. You know, the Raptors loss was obviously, you know, we lost by, by 20 um, or 30, 30, my bad. Yeah, yeah. 30. So we gave up 140 points. So, you know, the, the, the Raptors always play us well, even going back to last year, they just yeah, have so many, they have so many wings. They're so long and they're, they're great at defense. Yeah, they're they're very quick too. It's and on on offense in particular, they they have just so many guys that are so quick to the hoop, and they're honestly just a bad matchup for the Hawks, especially last year. Um, this year probably a little bit better because of the presence of Dejounte Murray on defense. But like I know, like last year with like Capella, they would just eat his lunch because Capella's just not a very quick guy, and um, it's more of a that they're more of a matchup for like a guy like a Kongwu at center. I mean, they they play very small anyways. Um, but yeah, I remember that last year they would just torch the Hawks um, defense, which the Hawks defense was pretty bad last year. And they kind of showed that again this year um, with this game. But uh, yeah, I want to talk about just uh, the Trey and DeJounte combo for a second because they played very well to start the season. Um, Trey's numbers so far this year are awesome. Um, he's averaging 29 right now. He's uh, where's he shooting from three right now. Um, he's his number actually it's just like his set last um six games I think his his he's averaging like 37 points a game and he's shooting like 40 percent from three um he had a rough shooting to start the season but he's really came on the last few games um but him and DeJounte have been very good DeJounte has been super consistent um facilitating the ball getting the ball around you know kind of doing what he's expected to do just kind of like that triple threat guy that can get a triple double if you need to and play great defense. So I, I've been pretty impressed by the um, backcourt, especially lately since Trey is starting to heat up after a bit of a slow start shooting the ball. So what do you think about those two guys and their uh, start to their tenure together as the main duo for the Hawks? Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were going to pair well or, uh, pair well together or not, but you know they they look they look really good. Dejounte, I'm very impressed with him. He's he's a stud. I'm I'm glad to get him off that San Antonio roster, which. By the way, I think they're five and two right now. Um, couple, you think the Jazz are five and two as well? Like, just yeah. And I saw the Bucks are also they're still undefeated. They're six and zero, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um. But, oh, the Blazers are five and one. Oh my god. Yeah. This this is a weird start to the season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Those are teams that are supposed to be tanking. I know. I know the Jazz are supposed to be awful. Yeah. They've got a bunch of old vets, and they're just putting it together and winning right now. So it, it this happens every year. Um, with the NBA getting started, I know as soon as the World Series is over, you know, the focus is going to shift a little bit. It's going to get more serious, you know, as you get closer to Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. But I, I, I'm, you know, I'm 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 a little worried about the Hawks right now because I, I have a little stat like. So we are 
dead last in the NBA in three-point attempts per game, which is beyond me um, because that's our strength right now. I know losing Herter and not having Bogey is a big part of that, but last in threes is kind of concerning. And then we're number one in two-point attempts per game with 63, and then we are number 28 in the free throw attempts per game. So we're not getting to the line enough. We're not shooting enough threes. You know, kind of the recipe for for today's NBA to win. So it's just a little bit concerning. But once we get once we get those couple guys back healthy, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, Bogey is a huge factor. Um, they need his shooting bad. Um, like you said, trading Herder. That uh, no, I still don't. I still don't like that trade at all because they they traded him to get rid of salary, which I hate when you're trying to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bogey. I don't know what the timetable is on him. Like they've been very vague about when he's gonna be able to come back. Um, a guy that's kind of been like an X factor though so far, and I think he should get a little more playing time is the rookie AJ Griffin. That dude can knock it down. He's been awesome shooting ball this year. He's shooting fifty percent from three so far. It's not a super like large sample, but you know when the Hawks are lacking shooting the way they are, you know I know I know it's starting to get a little better because Trey's starting to shoot the ball a lot better, but um I know. Like the Holiday Brothers have been all right shooting the three ball, but they're not guys that are going to be super high volume shooting threes. And uh, Dejounte Murray, as a, I know, me and you both love him, but he's just not the greatest three point shooter in the world. Um, you know, he's shooting pretty well this year from three, forty um, percent, which is way above his career high of thirty three percent. But he's not a guy that's going to sh- take a ton of threes like Trey will. So getting Bogey back and maybe um, squeezing some more minutes out of AJ Griffin. I know he's a rookie, and I know Nate McMillan has cast all this last year with Jalen Johnson, who, by the way, has been pretty bad this year. Um, but he's just not a guy that trusts rookies a ton and doesn't really give them a lot of playing time. He usually trusts his vets, but when you're in a situation like Atlanta is right now with uh, just not a ton of shooting on the roster and um, not, like you said, not like being last in attempts is tough. And you said they lead the league in two-point attempts, which makes sense because they don't take a lot of threes, but the twos they are taking – just aren't like great looks. They're super, they're super long twos that are just right when you're backed up to the three point line. They're not shooting around the rim as much as they should be when they're taking their two point attempts. So there's definitely some kinks they got to work out on offense. But I think Bogey coming back will just kind of just soothe a lot of those problems that they have. And if he's if he's the Bogey that we know and come to expect the production from three that he can provide, I think that can change a lot. And um. Yeah, the quicker he can get back to better because they're needing that pretty bad right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I know a couple guys have been playing pretty good. Okongwu, I think John Collins has looked – I think John Collins has looked a lot better other than last night against the Raptors. Um, you know, I think Murray just opens up the floor for everyone else, you know, kind of taking the pressure off Trey a little bit. But Trey's got to be better from three. He's only shooting 32%. Um, yeah. he'll, he'll find a shot. There, there's no doubt about that, but – We'll get it together. Yeah, right now. He had, he had a, I think he had a really bad game when they, they lost to the Hornets, which that was a really bad loss because they were without LaMelo Ball and uh, Terry Rozier, who are two of their better players. And so losing that game was pretty rough. And I think Trey had a pretty bad game shooting that, that game. It's still such a small sample. It's just seven games, you know. It's, they're, I think they're going to be fine. I don't, I don't know. Um, it is kind of concerning the past two games when they actually played real teams of just getting, getting beat how they've um, gotten beat but I know tomorrow they play the Knicks who they're not great but they're um they're all they're 
they're not like bottom of the barrel. They're just kind of like a middling team. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. Um, I don't know. Is it is it in New York? I wonder for uh, Trey Young purposes. It is. Ah, uh, yes. So that that should that should be fun. Um, hopefully, I, I know he'll be he'll be ready for that one. He loves to go to the Garden and wreak havoc. Uh, he's got real estate up there. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, so that that'll be fun. Be sure to watch that one. And uh, yeah, that's a that's about all I got out of the Hawks. It's um. You know, it, like you said, it's not it's not NBA NBA season yet. We're not there yet. There's, like you said, the World Series and football. Um, once the once the World Series ends, um, I think it'll start to pick up, and guys are still getting their feet under him and all that stuff. The Hawks had a very weird preseason. Also, they didn't play one home game during the preseason. They had to go to Dubai. Like, yeah, it's just, I, I'm not worried about the Hawks, even though they're still four and three. They just kind of played rough lately, so no worries there. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I got on the Hawks. You got anything else? Any final thoughts? I do. Uh, Atlanta podcast. Just got to say rest in peace. Take off, man. Oh, yeah. Sad day. day. Very sad. That's yeah, that's super tragic. That was really tough to wake up to this morning. I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, he is an Atlanta legend and that's super sad. That's awful stuff. Um, But yeah, I think that's all we got on on this episode today. Uh, Next week. The World Series will be over by the time we record next, so um, expect a little Braves offseason preview next week. So we'll probably be talking about all three teams next week and uh, talk a little bit of Dansby Swanson, what they're going to do there, all that good stuff. And uh, like we said, the Hawks – or not the Hawks, the Falcons got the Chargers next week, pretty big game um, against a good team. So it would be, be a nice little test for the Falcons, see how they, they play. I know they played pretty bad against a good Bengals team even though they look pretty bad, the Bengals look pretty bad last night against the Browns, but um, we'll see how they look against the Chargers who are definitely a solid team at the very least. So uh, yeah. Any, any uh, final thoughts in general? Um, looking forward to next week before we get out of here. Yeah, man. No, nothing for me. I'm uh, I'm excited, man. Atlanta, Atlanta sports is, is on the uptrend for sure. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about next week. So uh, if you made it this far listening, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. 